podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole. And this is Stash and Burn. Hello, Jenny. Hello, Nicole. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we are back from the... The void. The void of parenting and other crafts and work. Yes. To talk about... Knitting. Yeah, Nicole and I now are in upstate New York for the lifetime pilgrimage of knitters. Um, we are mere half an hour from Rhinebeck, where we will be t- attending the New York Wool Festival, aka Rhinebeck, um, on Saturday. So it's New York Wool and not New York Sheep and Wool? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll learn when we get there. I feel like I'm going into this a little blind. Like, I just know that it's the thing, and it's always the thing. Yeah. So, I'm just going. I did look at the vendor list, and I I don't quite remember what was on that list. Lots of of, uh, yarn. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's, let's start with the here and now. We're in, we're in upstate New York. We just both... Finished our Rhinebeck sweaters literally, last night. Literally. At I like actually midnight. Technically, <laughs> I finished mine once we got here to the house. I still had ends to sew in and the collar to fit, finish. Um, but yeah, we both, Jenny is wearing hers. I don't have mine on at the moment. Uh, do you want to talk about yours? Yeah. So I made the Oban cardigan because I was totally obsessed with that stitch pattern. And this is Thea and, Coleman. Yeah. It's a Thea Coleman pattern and she has multiple Oban iterations. Mm-hmm. She has the Oban pullover, which I'm totally going to make. Mm-hmm. And I think an Oban hot, Oban hot hat. Oh yes. I saw yeah. that. All using that stitch pattern because it's such a good one. It's so simple mm-hmm. and striking. And what is it? It's a cable. It's, it's like the garter. It's like four stitch um, cables separated by garter stitch. Mm-hmm. And then also like a pearl ridge stitch. Mm-hmm. And you made this in? Dye for wool. Um, they're merina alpaca, alpaca cashmere. And it's a hollow. Knit. Yeah, it's a chain out of hollow core. Yeah. Um, in the colorway... Giant clam closing forever, <laughs> which is a dark teal. Um, do do their yarn names have any significance? Do you know? Does I'm like I that's got to be something. I don't know, but they're really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I love this color. It's like super dark. It's teal. gorgeous. It, it is a color I am in envy of right now. I yeah. feel like it is a real kind of. Stash and burn thematic color, mm-hmm. along with burnt orange. <laughs> um, yeah. I um, made for my Rymex sweater. I um, made Gretel by Pam Allen. It's a Quince and Co. Um, pattern that is written for their worsted weight yarn. Um, I had a now discontinued sincere sheep yarn called Manahu Worsted. And it is uh, Rambouillet and silk. And mm. about a year ago, a little over a year ago, Jenny and our friend Maggie and our friend Chris, who will be joining us soon here up in Rhinebeck, um, we did a dye day and we ordered 
yarn from Brooke that was processed but not dyed so that we didn't have to like scour it and mortem it and we could just like boom go in and dye and Jenny and Maggie you over you dyed with we did marigold Mm -hmm. that's right because I had a bunch of dried marigold and then you harvested basically everything in the front yard (laughs) I, which I was great. I mean, that stuff, they would grow back like crazy. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to dye mine in cochineal, and I just never, ever got around to it. And when it really hit me that we were coming here, uh, I wanted to have a sweater. And so in September, I dyed the yarn with cochineal. It came out different than what I expected. I, I think I expected a pinker, really like a more of a true pink, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of curious about that myself. I'm like, why did I want a pink yarn? Like I thought it was going to come out kind of like a, just a lighter version. Like maybe. a, like a dark raspberry color. I think it, it, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Where this is more of a wine color, would you say? Yeah. Like, more, like a, I don't it's know. It's like a raspberry color, but not Bright. It's not bright. It's a deep. It's a little bit of muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a great color. It's totally going to be a very versatile color. And I um, I had really liked Gretel for a long time and was planning on knitting another yarn into it, but it got passed over, and I'm really glad I knew it this time. It is a, a sweater type that has really resonated with me in the last few years, which is basically an open front cardigan that's about hip length, um, long sleeve, just like seriously, like if, when you say cardigan, well, I mean, I guess you think things that button or fasten, but except for the open front part, it's very just a traditional cardigan shape because I get a ton of use out of it. A couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, I knit the farmhouse cardigan by Amy Christopher's and it's seriously like the, my go-to item. So this is very similar in the shape. Um, it has that same construction that Amy often uses, which is the the collar that extends off the top and then fastens. Uh, you uh, sew it together in the back and then sew it down to the back neck. I feel like that really helps keep the sweater on your shoulders. I, yeah, it must serve that function because the three sweaters that I can think of that I have like that really work. And it has um, like a texture. It's, it's, it's like a a Gansey theme to the sweater, but it's a much more modern take on it. So there's Gansey patterning and a small cable that runs up the the side. And the new thing for me is that it is a modified drop shoulder, which actually when I put it on is, it's pretty drop shouldery. Yeah. Um, It kind of goes, it kind of goes the, yeah. Midway down your upper arm. Midway down. Yeah. And um, I like it. I was worried it's one of those things where that line of like worrying something's going to be too small or be too oversized. Mm-hmm. And with something like that being too oversized, because it's open front, it has that risk of falling off. Right. And also just being baggy. Like, I didn't want it to seem like it was kind of taking me over. So, um, yeah, I like it. I finished it while we watched a couple of episodes of Buffy here at the house. Did you do any mods? Um, I, of course, did not knit a typical size. I knit 
the second size, which is for a 35 and a half inch bust, but I didn't have gauge. The gauge was 17 over four. My gauge was 16 over four. Mm -hmm. So a couple places I took a couple stitches out. So it's like a slightly, slightly changed stitch count. But I just sort of eyeballed that at some point where I looked at the gauge swatch and I just thought, oh, if I take a couple stitches off here and here, it should be the dimensions that I want. And I should measure what the ultimate dimensions are. I think the dimensions were going to come out to be kind of like a 37-inch bust or a 38-inch bust, um, which means it's not really the bust. It would also include this part um, right. for the, the gusset under, under, under yeah. the arm for the drop shoulder. So I imagine it will get a lot of use. And then because great minds think alike, last night Jenny texted me around midnight and said, I just can't, I just bound off for my sweater. And I was like, me too. And I said, I think I'm going to use the leftovers to try to knit a hat before Saturday. And she's like, great minds think alike. <laughs> so we're now both knitting our Rhinebeck hats to match our Rhinebeck sweaters. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, I did not do any mods to Oban. I knit the 42 mm-hmm. and the gauge is, she gives you the stock in it gauge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that my cable stitch pattern pulled in, um, maybe more than it should have because it, it seems like a little bit small or maybe I'm just used to gigantic sweaters because, like, oversized is, like, my new thing now. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. It sh- maybe it will relax and open up more after I block it, wet block it. I think it will. I mean, and given that it's... Well, what's the percentage alpaca versus merino? Ooh, that I don't know. I think it's, Be- like, 15%. Oh, only 15% it's not alpaca? that much. Yeah. Uh, I do think, though, that will help it open up because alpaca has less memory. I remember somebody telling me that and not really knowing what that meant at the time, but I think that that will help it open. Yeah. Um, I will say that I think uh, my sweater has the silk in it, and... It's kind of surprising to me how much more... It's a smaller percent. It's 20% silk. And it's ha- 30% alpaca, 15% yak. Oh. So it's 55% wool, 30% alpaca, 15% yak. So I had the composition completely wrong. I think yak is similar to alpaca in that it doesn't have that same bounce as wool. It's very, wool. like, downy. Yeah, I think you're going yeah. to... You'll see some growth if you want it. I think you can create that growth that you want in your sweater. I'd be happy with some growth because I knit the shawl collar. I wasn't, I was going to leave off the shawl collar because I was like, oh, I'm just going to wear it open. Like I don't need Mm. a shawl collar. But then I tried it on before I knit the border and I was like, ooh, I think it might need the shawl collar to pull it in Mm -hmm. and on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I did and I'm glad I did because it doesn't, the collar doesn't have enough depth to turn, um, but it actually at least like adds comes up them. my neck and adds enough to keep it mm-hmm. on my shoulders, which is right. perfect. And probably cover the back of your neck. Yeah. And then I didn't, I picked up like one stitch for every two rows instead of two out of three to do the border. 
Mm-hmm. And that actually worked out for me pretty well. Wait, so I didn't a one change. to a one, what was the ratio? Again? It was like one to two, as opposed to two, two to, to three. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that all worked out for me great. And like sometimes I have the thing where like the collar, if it's in garter stitch, ends up being longer mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. spreads. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped stop it from spreading, especially because I didn't bring any needles with me. I just had the <laughs> the needles of the sweater. I never changed needles for any portion of this sweater. Do you usually? Usually I do for ribbing, but okay. this time I didn't. I when I was knitting the sleeves for uh for Gretel, I knit the first sleeve. Almost done with it. I was like literally ready to start. No, I did bind off. I think I did. I was binding off. That was it. I was binding off <laughs> on the second sleeve, and I was like, something's weird about the the ribbing part of the sleeves. And I put them together, and I'm looking at them, and I was like, oh, jeez. I had not changed needle size, and it was one of those things where I was like, I could, I can't live with this. And it was like 30 rows on 34 stitches, and I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'll start over again. That, that was fun. A thousand stitches gets to get knit again. Oh, God. Um, That's awful. Yeah. I was, I was so close. <laughs> it, although I was watching, I uh, was um, with my niece watching I Survived a Japanese Game Show, a reality show that is apparently on the ABC network. And uh, she got to watch like an extra half hour of TV while I got my project back together so lucky Ida um you you've been kind of really on a sweater kick you were knitting forever that oh god so I had this really old Filatura de Crossa yarn that was like I thought it was a Katia yarn but it was Mm -hmm. a Filatura de Crossa yarn and it was um kind of like curried rainbow sherbet colorway <laughs> and it had like that's that's, that's accurate mohair and wool and some nylon um so i knit that into a line dance cardigan by heidi kiermeyer mm-hmm. and like and it turned out pretty pretty well i think it's a little bit big um and i it's a little bit too long. Hmm. So it makes it awkward to wear. With... Well, I still wear it all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. But if I made it again, I think I would knit a smaller size. It's a lot of garter stitch, right? Oh, my God. It is so much garter stitch. And I am really bad at reading directions. <laughs> um, and so I had to knit the yoke twice because... It's top down. It's top down. The first time I got to like the shoulder, the arm split, um, I was like, wow, this is like, why do I have so many stitches on my needle? And then I was like, you know, my stitch counts didn't make any sense. And then I read the directions and I was like, oh, I increased way too rapidly. And so I ended up with like a ginormous yoke. <laughs> and so then I just like ripped it all back and knit it all. Um, because, you know, like if you knit 
raglans and drop shoulders all the time. Like, it's like something with like more specific yoke shaping. Mm -hmm. It's like not intuitive. (laughs) No, you're right. I knit a top down circular yoke not long ago and I screwed it up and had to go back and like, I guess I, I wasn't, I didn't know when to expect to increase. Right? So if you're doing right. a raglan, you know you increase every other row. So you know, okay, the increasing starts out the gate. And this did also start out the gate. But for some reason, I went straight from the ribbing into the body without the fur. And I was like, this is a really weird shape. And I was like, oh, because there is no shape. You haven't <laughs> included that into your knitting. You, were, I was following the chart. And I couldn't figure out why the chart wasn't matching up with what I had. Oh, no. That's all right. I hadn't made it that far. We took a little break there to go pick up our friend from the train station and sleep. And um, we're back. It is now Friday. The festival is tomorrow. Today there's the Yarn Bazaar in Rhinebeck. So we're going to visit that this afternoon. In preparation for that... (laughs) So I decided to go through and just try to get an idea of what I have in my stash. And so I only did sweater quantities. Mm-hmm. And Which is considered what? You have a, you had a... Oh, it was very vague. It was just like, I bought this yarn with the intention of making a sweater out Okay. Of it. Yeah. And so there's not like a number threshold? No. Okay. So it turns out I have a lot of sweater <laughs> quantities of yarn. So in all honesty, I'm... I actually don't need anything like sweater quantity. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. Okay. So lay it um, on me. How many? How many? We don't have to go through all of them, but how many do you have? Uh, eighteen that I can remember. Okay. I went through, and I actually have more. It's a combination. It's like if I bought it to make a sweater, slash if it's the ma- or I have an amount that could make a sweater, which I guess means I bought it with the intention of making a sweater. Right. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, there are seven sweater quantities that I bought with that intention. And then I have some amounts that are middling. Like I have 750-ish yards of a drill, Jill Draper Mohonk, mm-hmm. which could potentially make some sort of sweater-like yeah. object. Right. And I have 750 yards of Ming, which is an art fibers yarn, silk and merino, sing, like a lightly spun. Um, in, uh, you should the, make another reposada out of that. Oh, that could be really pretty. That's a is, good amount, mm-hmm. and it's like a beautiful yarn. Mm-hmm. And use it as a shell. Yeah. That's a potential. So I have fewer sweater quantities, and I have some... Immediate. I, well, one thing I noticed in our long absence is I love making sweaters. Yeah. Like, I don't knit a ton of them, but I'll knit, like, in terms of tops or sweaters, two a year, and they bring me a lot of satisfaction. I feel like I wear them the most out of all my hand knits. And I think that's because we live in a climate where we don't wear heavy coats. Right. And I think those of you who do can probably wear a sweater with a heavy coat, but, like, it actually functions as, a, a, coat. as a coat. Like, yeah. My campus jacket is my winter coat in Oakland, California. Right. Um, and then, you know, in the other sweaters that I wear a lot, like my farmhouse and long sands, are things I can wear, especially because it's really like the time of my commute that I need it. Mm-hmm. While I'm at work, I'm not wearing a sweater. 
um, so it, it's that layer. The thing I'm missing, which I have the yarn for, are some fingering weight sweaters. Mm. And I don't have a lot of pullovers. I have a lot of pullovers. I, I've really built up my cardigan wardrobe. Although some, like, I, you know how I made the, um, the Kate Davies cardigan? What's it called again? Mm-hmm. Carbeth. Carbeth. I did a Carbeth. But... I ran out of yarn. I was like using some deep stash. I ran out of yarn and it ended up being That's right. this like sporty it. looking striped it thing. It looks like a letterman's jacket. And it is not my style. But yeah. I love wearing it because it's so soft and warm, but it doesn't really go with any of my clothes. I mean, how do you feel about the house slash bed sweater? That is like one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of the sweater that you put on around the house. Um, but it is kind of bulky, so I can't yeah. imagine doing a lot in it. Yeah. You know what you need to do? Go camping more. Because you never, <laughs> one never cares about what they're wearing when they're camping. Right. And you're always cold. So. True. I think True. I solved it right there. Yeah. So looking at you, Jenny color-coded her stash, her SQs. Yeah. I'm wondering, are there, is there like a color field that's missing or underrepresented? I think blue is underrepresented, mm -hmm. and green is underrepresented. Oh, and looking at mine, I have no green. I but have... I have, for some reason, four purplish yarns. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I have like one thing that I think would be really useful in my wardrobe is like a dark gray cardigan. Yeah. I, I mean, a light gray cardigan. My dark, again, campus jacket. My dark gray cardigan. I get a ton of use out of it. It goes with everything. Right. And then it's not black, so you don't have to knit with black. Also, you don't get, and I don't have this, well, I guess we don't have this, you don't have this problem anymore, animal hair or any kind of hair or my own hair, yeah. which gets on everything. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I'll still be knitting and I'll find a Gus and Vince hair. Oh. That'd be so sad. Yes, since we last recorded, Jenny lost both of her cats. Yeah. Um, but there'll be more cats and cat hair someday in your future. I'm sure there will be. <laughs> <laughs> Not until the kids are older, though. Our neighbors just got a cat, and that cat is the most tortured animal. By your kids? No, by her kids. <laughs> I feel so sorry for this cat. It's just, like, squeezed and Aww. hugged and, like basically mauled with such frequency that like I went to go meet the cat and it was it was like it just ran and hit. <laughs> <I was> like... <laughs> so if you were to look for anything it would be green. Green Maybe. or dark gray. Okay. Or a natural white. Mm. That's I think a natural white cardigan would also be very useful in my wardrobe. I hate to bring something up here. You said you had a sweater's quantity of green eco wool. Yeah. I, I like never thought about that as like a sweater for me because I bought it for Harold. I might buy that off of you. Okay. Because John had said something about wanting a green sweater a long time ago. And yeah. I love that. Yarn. I have like 2,000 yards oh, I don't need of 2, eco yards. wool. Like it is like a ridiculous whole... amount. I'll knit my whole family. Of eco wool. Matching sweaters. Yeah. It's a really beautiful green, though. It's like a heathery forest green. So I think if I'm looking for anything in the sweater quantity, I have, like, 
some DK, and let me see if I look through it. Like I'm, I'm pretty well represented in the weights of yarn, but mostly to the DK sport fingering. And what I found is the sweaters that I knit are heavier weight um, because they go fast. There's not a lot of, of weighting. But I am sort of looking into, uh, so Adrian saw this sweater that someone made that has the David Bowie lightning bolt on it. And I have like a red and I have a blue, which is the lightning bolt. But I was thinking of like a shimmery, like something with Stellina in it that also had like a little bit of lavender because in that famous photograph of Aladdin saying Bowie has this like purplish, like very light purple sheen to his face. It could be a kick-ass sweater, but I also am cautious to knit a sweater, an Intarsia sweater and David Bowie theme for my nine-year-old for a number of reasons. He's growing. He could Do also not like David Bowie. follow that? I think she's she's from like, like the Netherlands or something. Lark Bagger? Mm-mm. She is a knitwear designer... And she does like amazing stuff with like colors and beads. Oh, like she wow. like sews in the beads, like after she knits the sweater, and sometimes she like knits in the beads. She does it all sorts of different ways, but like the effect is always like super impressive. So I think about like the lightning bolt sweater, and like you could like incorporate like beads or buttons or like some sort of texture to Mm -hmm. give it some extra sparkle or like something Do you remember when beaded knitting was a real big thing? I would say early on in our knitting that was something I remember particularly again with Art Fibers yarn. Right. How is Art Fibers haunting us for these many years? Because we still have so much Art Fibers (laughs) yarn in our stash. I I love it but it just it's crazy that we're still talking about a company that's not been around for a long time. But um, I do remember like stringing beads. Oh no, you know what it was? Oh no, it was Art Fiber's main. Oh wow, that is amazing. It's amazing, right? It doesn't, like I wouldn't read that as beaded. We'll, we'll link to this yeah. in the show notes. The but lark it's, bagger. It's very, it's like this is the kind of thing that I think Adrian hip. would be, like this is the kind of effect that right. I was kind so of thinking she's... for like the lightning bolts. So she, she like did a beaded, part of an intarsia mm-hmm. sweater. Hmm. When I think though about my knitting and look what at that. I do. That's insane. I mean, that does not look comfortable to wear. But Let me like... just say this is like a a, a five-year-old's dream sweater. <laughs> like it's just like all crazy beads, all different sizes, different sizes, all different colors, all different it's, textures. Yeah. Either that you either have to be like 5 or 25. I think those are the two <laughs> target ages. Yeah. I will say, I think I'm too lazy of a knitter, maybe even to do the intarsia. What I'm hoping is that his sewn Halloween costume will placate him and we will not have to revisit the whole sweater idea. But that said, if I found the perfect yarn yeah. today or tomorrow, it might be tempting to do so. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm also like kind of here for the leaves yep <laughs> <laughs> leaves and meeting people that we normally won't you know encounter yeah. Yeah. I mean it may turn out that we're all pathologically too shy to interact with new people but yeah <laughs> we, we also 
there's such you know a community of people. I think especially at the Ravelry meetup tomorrow to see people yeah. attached to their Rav name will be a really fun and cool. exciting thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was talking to Chris this morning about fiber types that I'm kind of that are on oh, my uh-huh. list to buy. Um, so if I find any Angora blends, mm-hmm. Surrey alpaca, mm-hmm. or mohair blends. I am interested in a company called Clinton Hill Cashmere. Um, or any cashmere. <laughs> yeah. That, I, you know, a nice cow's worth of cashmere is a nice thing. It is so freaking soft. Yeah, I have um, something that's like a cashmere blend. Uh, a shawl that I made out of a Lisa Souza cashmere merino blend that I love. But it was before I made this, the triangular cowls I really wish I had because cashmere does not have any grab so it's constantly sliding off of me like I'm always worried I'm going to lose it or it's like half on my neck and half on the ground so uh, I I wouldn't mind another cashmere accessory I think I would wear it a lot I always wear my I have cashmere hand warmers that I love that I constantly have these these are the cat came back ones. I'm always losing one and then miraculously finding that. Like literally on the street. I and this was, was a Lisa Sousa cashmere. Too, also right? a Lisa Sousa cashmere. And Lisa Sousa is going to be there. Although it seems kind of funny to come all this way and buy Lisa Sousa yarn. Although we haven't been to Stitches in several years now. It's true. Yeah. Which is where I always... And I know I can buy a lot of these things online. But I feel like my, my online picker is not very good. And I don't get what I... It's never quite what I expect, or maybe it's like getting something in the mail is often so distant from the experience of purchasing it that something gets lost, except when I buy a mustache self-striping yarn, because that's just an exciting thing for me. Yeah. She's going to be at um, the indie yarn thing that we're not going to. Oh, yeah. There's an event this evening that sold out. Like, I think you... Like, instantaneously. Yeah, Jenny sent us a linked to it, I don't know, like in July, and I went to the website and it was already sold out. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But this thing this afternoon, uh, there are some interesting looking dyers, so I'm excited to see that. Uh, For now, we're going to head out, find a place to take a walk, and get some lunch. Woo! Okay. Hello! Hello, we are back, back in California. Post-Rhinebeck. Post-Rhinebeck. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, and we did the thing. We did the thing. We <laughs> flew across the country to go to one day of Rhinebeck. It was, there was some definitely like things that were not fun or funny at the time, but I feel that even with this little distance from it, I can look back and be like, that was hilarious how we got caught in a three hour traffic jam of our own, our own design. I know. So I don't know if others of you who are listening. Series of very poor choices Oof. and yeah. lack of cell cell well, service. Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, so, but to not dwell on the bad, we will. We left you as we were headed off uh, to find some place to go for a walk, and we found a glorious spot, Fern Cliff Forest. That sounds think, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, right in Rhinebeck, actually, and it was like. This beautiful forest with fall leaves in this giant tower that was kind of scary. It was a little scary. Jenny yeah. and Chris were brave and walked all the way to the top. I got about three quarters of the way and I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then we came down and there was like this uh, sad memorial plaque 
for a dog that had attempted to climb the tower and, and fell oh, and oh, died. It was awful. It was, it was so, so sad. sad. I'm so glad. If I had read that before going up, I would have never gone up at all. But it was beautiful. It got you above the tree line so you could see all of the colors and the Hudson. Um, and then there was this a reflecting pond at this trailhead that was very picturesque. It was very Bob Ross. That's right. That's right. We had a whole conversation about Bob Ross when we were there. And how he's so popular now. Yeah. Uh, we went into Kingston and had lunch at something called Keegan Ales, a brewery. And uh, that was a nice little meal. We enjoyed ourselves before heading over to the Rhinebeck Yarn Bazaar, which was more popular than I think the, um, the organizers, organizers yeah, yeah. expected. I don't know how they didn't think it was going to be popular. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you're like, oh, what if I throw a party and nobody shows up? And so, right, uh, we I, won't put a cap on it. So there were no, it wasn't ticketed, and there were lots and lots of people there. Yeah, there was like a a serious crazy line, and and I think that maybe they didn't count on the Indian Tangled people hitting both oh, events. Yeah, because that's a good point. That happened, and that's a ticketed event where you go for a window of time, right. so you could go. You knew when you could get into Indian Tangled. Right. Um, we did all get stuff at that event uh, I was on the lookout for like a fun mini skein hopefully with like neon or crazy colors and Jenny had her eye out for me and found perfect little speckled minis speckled minis in neon in neon and now I can't remember the name of the dyer it was something about butterflies wait a minute I'm gonna go grab it because oh I you bought something from her too yeah okay I got um the mohair all right, we figured it out. Okay, so the dyer is Swift Yarns. Um, from I bought uh, this skein of Superwash Merino that's like called um, New York in November. So it's like gray with like brown and yellow speckles. Oh, so like reminiscent of the an orange colors we were seeing. I was in a very fall mood when you we were was very there. autumnal. I was really into it. And um, I got a skein of like mohair silk, kid mohair silk in like this gold, dark gold color. Were you thinking of holding them together? No. I think the gold mohair would have would overwhelm this colorway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to knit them into different things. Okay. Um, yeah, and the the set I bought was four mini skeins in very like pretty highlighter colors. Um, that I just I want to make a pair of socks. I'll just make a gradient pair of socks. She had um, a sample that were really yes. really beautiful. Yes, I think they were an Andrea Maury pattern. I looked up. Uh, I looked them up when I got home. Um, and speaking of home, spotted at yes. this event, I saw her, and she's so. Um, I mean, it was the people who you know. Like, it was really funny to be able to spot people. I'm like, yeah. oh, Andrea Mowry's spotting, <laughs> texting friends from who are, who are home, who care. Uh, so, and then what other purchase did you make there? I bought two skeins of this vendor called the Wooliers. Um, I don't know much about the company, but they had very wooly wools in natural colors. Yeah, I'm loving this. So aesthetically, the yarn all together was like Meh, really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But it is a blend of like 
merino, baby doll, sheep, and alpaca. So it's like an Aran weight yarn, and I got two balls of like gray. So I think I'm gonna make some like work slipper socks. These are gonna be so lovely. Uh, it's even called fog. I feel like it's appropriate to wear in your cold San Francisco office. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, super lovely. I was I was envious of this when we got home and Jenny shared um, that. Their table was right in the front of the hall where mm-hmm. everyone was coming in and it was impossible to like move around. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that people really had access to their booth. Especially at the end when they just let everyone in because they, they felt bad that right. people had waited hours in this line and, like, right. they were going to close. <laughs> uh, what we did notice, and I think this is sort of the theme of the indie events, is there much uh, there was a lot of superwash uh, and speckled yarn, which is beautiful. But what was interesting is both Jenny and Chris were, were like, we don't want to buy superwash anymore ever again. It was sort of like, I think... You know, not like a real vow as much as just sort of like a thought. So it was interesting to walk into a room where every, so much was that genre of yarn, which was great and was what I was looking for for socks. But it was nice to see the wool ears there because they were very different. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris also bought some yarn from a very woolly company, this woman who was doing solar dyeing. Is that right? Was it solar saltwater dyeing? Yeah, it was a yeah. really interesting process. And so the yarn... Uh, colors were unpredictable and very interesting um and i can't remember the name but i will look it up and put it in the show notes of of who that was and he wanted to have more color in his life so he got this super bright like oscar the grouch green sweater quantity he got it (laughs) he got the color that he's looking for i know Uh, so can't wait to see that knit up we were kind of exhausted after that so we found a place to buy some beer, which is not like it is in California. And I think I think California might be actually more of the exception. I just find when I go to other states and want to buy alcoholic beverages, it's never as straightforward as walking into the store and buying it. Like any store. Any store and just being able to buy it. Yeah. So like one night, Jenny and I went to go buy, I prefer to drink beer, and we walked into a store and all they had was wine and hard liquor. And the grocery store we had been at and hadn't had any beer. Yeah, it was just groceries. It was just groceries. So then we're like, oh, is that how New York works? I can't remember. Everything is in a separate store. But beer can be sold in a grocery store because they have it at Trader Joe's. And then when we went into that natural food store to buy mm-hmm. salsa, they had uh, they had beer. And the guy was so excited to talk to <laughs> us about beer. <laughs> It was like nobody had ever asked him a question. He was the beer buyer. It turned out he was the beer buyer, and I think he just was thrilled to be able to talk shop. Yes. And I was like, really? I'm here for the knitting. But, yeah, beer is delicious. Um, and I remember that beer being good. Yeah. It was from Newburgh. Oh, yeah. I re- yes, it was Newburgh, which is one of the towns up there. Um, can I just say how cute everything was up there? It was really idyllic. So freaking cute. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's one of those places where you're there, you're like, what would it be like if me and all my friends moved to this town? <laughs> uh, you know, but... Yeah, I think that was precisely Chris's reaction when he went to Dia Beacon. Yeah. He's like, I'm retiring here. <laughs> yeah. um, so we went home, 
we did some knitting. We watched. Uh, oh, we watched that show. I don't know. I didn't continue to watch it. The, it was like a teenage election. The politician. Show. I think it's yeah. called. Uh, it's a Ryan Murphy show with Ben Platt playing a high schooler, which was a little rough because he's like twenty seven. So, and I know that's how it goes <laughs> in TV, but it's funny. Um, and we got up early the next day and headed over to Rhinebeck and sort of within our minds we're like we're gonna be there this is our day we're just gonna be there all day we're just doing it um and for I've been to I mean we've been to Stitches many times and I've been to Lambtown which is an indoor outdoor festival and uh Black Sheep Gathering which is an indoor outdoor festival but those two are in the summer-ish Lambtown technically is in the fall, but it's still hot. So it was such a different experience to go someplace where it was like cool outside and you can be inside and outside and it not being a zillion degrees. Also not being stuck inside like you are with stitches. Yeah. The great thing about the Rhinebeck Festival is that you aren't trapped in one place. It really is. Yeah. I would say there's something like... 12 to 14 barns that have vendors and uh, not in the same vendors in, in most of the barns and then a few barns with livestock so you could go see sheep and alpaca and goats little goats the goats were so, so cute. cute goats get a bad rap i don't know <sighs> um and then a couple exhibition halls i think there were three and we went into two of them i think there's one that we completely missed no, I believe um, it. It was huge. It I was mean, massive. No, I just didn't. We did not go to everything. Oh, we didn't, didn't even get close to going to everything. Yeah. And I was not prepared for the massiveness of it in mm-hmm. terms of how much stuff was going to be there, how many people were going to be there. Um, and when we first got there, it was a little deceptive. It was like a crowd, but like I was like, this is manageable. But yeah. throughout the morning, it just got bigger yeah. and bigger. And um, kind of early in the day, we saw a few people that we knew, um, which was, thinking back on it, kind of miraculous because there were so many people there and like, there were so many people that we didn't see at all. So, Like, I didn't see Amy Christopher's, guys. Like, of the people who I should have seen, it really should have been Amy Christopher's. (laughs) The other person I really should have seen, we did see, it's just we got to see Marceline, uh, who is Hey Brownberry, the Brownberry Video podcast, video, blah, blah, what are they called? I'm an old lady. Vlog? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm old. Uh, I learned. I just learned how to make a GIF, you guys. So super <laughs> exciting. It's not that hard. Anyway, um, but I, when I saw, I had gone someplace, and then I said to Jenny, okay, just let's meet on this bench. And I went back to the bench, and I was like, oh, no, I lost Jenny. And I'd already, we'd already, Chris had been gone off. So I was like, oh, how am I ever going to find them? The self-service is spotty. But I turned to my right and there's Jenny talking to Marceline and I got tears in my eyes. Like I just <laughs> didn't know what to, like I couldn't even really properly handle it. I don't think I could have sat down and had like a real conversation with her because it was so sort of overwhelming to have had a, this kind of relationship that you have with someone online and through your art and then have it made real. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, was, it was special. And then I don't think I could have gone through that like another 20 times with other people. Right. So I don't think really intentionally, but sort of unintentionally, we missed the Ravelry meetup. Like it started to happen and it was like... We were like, oh, there's a bunch of people over there. 
And, but then we had like these goals, like we had to go see these things. And then we were like, oh my God, and we're hungry. Oh, um, we're hungry. Yeah. We yeah. need to talk about this. Yeah. So bring food. Like, even if you want to wait in line for apple cider donuts or you want to wait in line for the Brussels sprouts, which were excellent, um, or the things that people really love, like our friend uh, Liz really has a thing with the pierogies, I the think. The pierogies. Uh, the lines are really long. Some of them may move fast, but by the time you know that you're hungry, by the time I knew that I was hungry, I couldn't wait yeah. anymore. So really, um, we bought some apples, and we're munching on apples, but I think... Uh, in three or four years from when we had, get the energy to back up to go again, <laughs> I would uh, I would probably... Pack a sandwich. Pack a sandwich just to have something to get you through uh, and either like get in the line before lunch starts or wait until like one thirty or 2 to get food. Yeah, I think what Liz's um, house did were people would wait in various lines Mm -hmm. and then they would like switch out Mm -hmm. so that one person wasn't waiting the whole time time. yeah um and then they would just order for the group and i don't think we did it wrong i think that in a way you have to go once to see it and experience like Mm -hmm. i don't think i could have planned it in a way that made sense without experiencing it to know like what you have to do to to get through yeah um so let's get to what we got. Yes. Uh, I uh, I did a lot of looking, and I feel like part of like our end of our day disaster was my responsibility for not being able to make my mind until the very last minute. Well, but there's so much choice. <laughs> there was so much choice. And thankfully, Chris had done some pre-search for us, so he <laughs> knew places he wanted to hit. I knew zero. So I was like, you've got good taste. Take me where you're going. <laughs> that yeah. sounds good. Um, so what was your first first i think was well the primers? first well, the first place we went was actually the spindle place because chris was worried that they were going to sell out before he could like get his zillion. like first choice yeah. of um spindles so he so went over there he made the official first purchase which was a big one and then um he went to go look at fleeces um i was at primrose mm-hmm. Had we split up at that point? I I split up for a little bit, and then I found you somehow. Um, yeah, so, I think... I forget what happened. But anyway, I was at Primrose, and there are these baskets of fuzzy, fuzzy things. Mm-hmm. And I look at the yarn, and I'm like, hey, it's Surrey Alpaca. Just the thing I was looking for. Literally. Hey, it's in this beautiful, like, reddish-orange, bittersweet color. What? Um... So, like, I immediately pulled the trigger on a sweater's worth of that yarn. I think around that time, I found uh, an alpaca seller. So, I made the, um, I believe it's called One-Eyed Jack's Hat by Amy Christopher's. And it was my favorite hat. And I made it in Blue Sky Alpaca Surrey Alpaca Merino Blend. And I loved it. I wore it constantly, and I lost it. I have a slight idea of where I lost it, but nobody from the place where I think I lost it, which was a family member's house, ever said, hey, whose red hat is this? So I'm hoping they adopted it and wore it and just never thought about it again. Uh, and I, It was just perfect. So I found the same blend from a uh, farm called Morning Moon, and they do dyes over different... Uh, like 
colors, basically. So there's a natural gray, a natural brown, and a white fleece, uh, a white mixture. And I bought two skeins in that are over the brown in like a a deep red and a teal. Ha-ha, <laughs> um, And they're super soft. They actually were having like a show special, so they're $15 a skein, and it's the perfect amount to re-knit that hat. I may make a hat, the same hat in both colors because yeah. they're both colors I would wear a lot of. So that was my first purchase, and then it, it was hours before. Oh, that's not true. I remember the next thing I bought, the uh, felted corn. Oh, yeah. So we were, both Jenny and I were looking for things for our kids. We didn't feel like we could come back, and our husbands uh, couldn't come back, like, completely empty-handed to them. So uh, I was like, what am I going to get, Adrian? What am I going to get him? And we there's this deal, this, this <laughs> I don't even know what they were called. I have their receipt on my phone. But they were selling, like, fiber. Did, did they they have had, yarn? like, giant, yeah, they had... All oh, kinds great. of yarn. That giant, giant, those giant skeins. Of yarn. That's right. Um, they, they had were, like, giant bags with hand-dyed bats. They had the Chris almost ones. bought one of those. They had, and then they had these baskets of felted corn cobs of like autumnal. I'm looking at Jenny's right now. That's sort of decorative corn, but in felt. And I was like, "That's it. That's the thing my kid needs." And then while I was waiting in line, I saw this beautiful felted pumpkin, and I was like, "Okay, I'll take one of these too." Yeah, I have serious regrets about not buying the felted corn. <laughs> Cuz it was really cute. It was so cute. It was adorable. Yeah, Adrian named his corny. <laughs> he really loved it. I knew it. I was like, I knew it was I mean, I brought him a number of gifts. It was I was gone from him from him for the longest time I've ever been gone from him. So I was like, here's some chocolate and a T-shirt. No, no, I didn't get him a T-shirt. I got him a hat. Uh, but, and some felted corn. <laughs> so uh, that was the second thing I bought. Oh, I bought an alpaca teddy bear for Matilda. Mm, that was okay. the, actually my first purchase. Okay. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. And then Hugo said, I told him I would buy him something squishy, and he was like, I don't want something squishy, I want something hard. In his mind, that interp- I should have interpreted that to be, bring me home Legos, I don't care where you are. Um, <laughs> okay. But Man, I didn't did interpret it that way. You could have gotten like a Lego sheep. I know. I should have. <laughs> if I could have found one, I would have. Um yeah, and then we went to go to Catskill Merino. Oh, Catskill Merino. I feel like, the, I don't know why, but it felt like the softest Merino it I had felt. It had like a very velvety texture. It was amazing. Um, and the colors were great. So they do both acid dye and natural dye. I ended up buying a skein of worsted, like uh, single ply Merino in that was dyed with weld. So it was just like vibrant. Um highlighter yellow color this feels like a theme and um i really seriously thought about a sweater's quantity of either their like their fingering or their dk they had this acid dye like crazy pink like jenny's wearing this pink in her dress right now like i got some right, of that pink. you got some of that that's right it was just yeah. there there was a really lovely mixture of color and the wool itself which was grown right there in the region where we were which was neato yeah it was beautiful yarn I mean, I got like this perfect hot pink color and their sport weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself kind of wishing that their worsted weight was applied yarn instead of a single, mm-hmm. but I don't know why. Um, 
So I got two skeins of hot pink sport to make a hat for the next Women's March and <laughs> um, maybe a matching one for Matilda. I don't nice. know. Maybe one for Hugo. He doesn't have one. <laughs> Then um, uh, I found, I was looking around because you were also looking for something with bunny in it, right? Angora. Angora. And I found that that yarn that was like a natural, but it's a blend, isn't it? It's a Romney Angora blend. And the, the farm was called Autumn House Yarns. Mm-hmm. So I looked them up when we got home and um, they actually have a mill. A fiber oh, mill. They, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they have a mill and... Um, they also raise animals, and then they mill their own yarn. Mm-hmm. Cool. Which sounds great. Um, so I got Romney Angora blend, like worsted, heavy worsted, Aran weight, mm-hmm. um, which I plan on making some sort of sweater out of. And I keep, like, waffling on what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be awesome. What's the... You did have a... You're going to make a... Remake a hohi sweater, right? With I'm going to remake Like a Cloud with the Surrey alpaca mm-hmm. that um, I got from Primrose. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to give my current Like a Cloud to you. Oh, that's so exciting. I know. Because it's too small. Because it's, it's a little short. Um, I mean, I still wear it, but like... Yeah, basically I'm going to remake it. Mm-hmm. It's the same color. It will fit mm-hmm. you perfectly, and then I'll have one that fits me perfectly. <laughs> Yay! Um, so that's my plan for that. Um, what, what? Oh, I wanted to look up the sweater that okay. I'm thinking about making. Okay. Um, so you were gonna, you're thinking about the with the, you keep waffling on the... I waffle on the Oban pullover uh-huh. because I just finished the cardigan, and I just it was like totally addictive to make. Um, and then I was like, oh, but maybe I should make a cardigan because I have been wearing a lot of like oversized worsted weight cardigans. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually I don't know if I have enough yarn to make an oversized cardigan. You bought six or did you buy five? I think I bought six. Okay. Maybe I could. You, you might be able to. Yeah. So those are my deliberations. I did end up buying a sweater's quantity of yarn, and I bought um, from a woman a dyer called Tidal Yarns, T-I-D-A-L, like the tide. Right. And she does a natural dyeing process, and she does something kind of interesting and unpredictable. So the yarn I ended up buying is fingering weight, it's sourced locally, so she knows the farmer. She goes around and collects the yarn. And actually, if you follow her on Instagram, you can sometimes see like where she has the different you know, uh, different fleeces that she's using to pull together to make her base yarn, which is then spun at Green Mountain Spinnery. And isn't it like a blend of like Romney and Cormo and? She's yeah. She's else? like it says it changes. I yeah. think depending on the season. Right. So she has a new blend every year. Um, it's, it's very sheepy. It's very sheepy, which is what I was looking for. And then the natural dye process. So the yarn I got is dyed in Saxon blue, but then she also dipped it in exhaust pots. So she's like, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I could go home and look at my notebook and tell you. So she like says, you know, I put an exhaust pot of logwood and then an exhaust pot of weld or whatever other things are in it. I would imagine that the yarn I had was in an exhaust pot with logwood. 
because it's got a gray, it's like a gray blue. And mm-hmm. in some lights, it looks like a gray blue green. And sometimes it just looks gray. And uh, I, I was taking a picture of it the other day in Adrian and sent it to our knitting, gr- uh, like our knitting uh, texting group. And uh, Adrian goes, that is a boring picture. You send your knitting friends really boring pictures. And I was like, <laughs> well, I think my knitting friends probably think they're pretty exciting pictures, but I see where you're coming from, Kim. <laughs> And the sweater I'm looking for, looking at uh, knitting, is the Teakwood Light Cardigan by Cecily Glawick McDonald. Um, and it is knit in Elsa wool. So what I really set out to do is it's a woolen spun yarn. And I thought, let me find a sweater that was designed originally for a woolen spun yarn. Mm-hmm. Just, I never really think that deeply. I'm just like, pretty sweater, match things yeah. together regardless of whether the yarn really. Right. Uh, just weight is what I'm always looking at. I'm not thinking about the spin. The spin. The spin. And I think it's important for this type of yarn. Um, and the sweater, the Teakwood Light Cardigan, is designed in Elsa Wool Woolen Spun Fingering Weight Cormo. And I think that if you knit this sweater, in like a super wash it would not be the same sweater that she designed it might be just a beautiful sweater but it definitely is not the sweater she designed and this is a very typical sweater i've been knitting for the last couple of years which is an open front cardigan with the thing in the back where the you know comes up behind the neck um for the neckband uh this is new it is fully a drop shoulder um although not a severe drop shoulder feel like it's a, a, I don't think it's modified. I just think it is a drop shoulder. A Yeah, but it's not also like some drop shoulders are like way down at your elbow. Right. This is much more like on the cap sleeve line, which I think will be good for me. Like a cloud is like that too. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Look forward to wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this looks like it has enough interest. And um, I think in that color will be a nice neutral um like a, a great addition to my wardrobe and I'm hoping to cast it on soon or at least start to swatch for it soon. I'm right now still knitting the day after Halloween, trying to knit, finish knitting my Halloween socks um, and getting a little, I've been devoted to this project since we were at Rhinebeck and I'm a little in need of something, something else, else. <laughs> to knit. Yeah. Um, so, and since Halloween has passed, like this can go, this can be my secondary project, but I'm getting to the point where what I did for these socks, sorry for this aside, is that I started, I did a top-down tube, so I mm-hmm. knit the ribbing, and I'm knitting down, and then I'm holding the stitches for the toe, and I'm going to put in the heel, and then I'll know how much of a toe to put in on both of them. So um, I'm very close. I have, like, just one more color repeat to get to, to where I am on the, to have two matching tubes. Woohoo! Um, so, oh, my God, you're so close. I'm so close. Yeah, you're and so heels close. and toes. Are really pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so was that? Did you get anything else? Um, I think that was it. I got the Catskill Merino. Mm-hmm. I got the Romney Angora, and I got the Surrey Surrey Alpaca. And I think that was all. That sounds right. And then you got the teddy bear. I got the teddy bear. I got some malted milk balls. You got something for Harold. Oh, I got some socks. I got some socks for John, too. I got mine at Bartlett Yarns. They were machine knit, heavy yeah. wool socks. Um, so, yeah, I got I got that same 
that same pair of socks with a matching hat for Harold. And then I also have got him a pair of alpaca socks. And then after I bought them, Chris was like, oh, no, those are way too hot. They're, like, way too heavy for our climate. Like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you should send them to Anne. Someone who loses play. Although, they're, like, gigantic. (laughs) You can wear like, boot slippers. (laughs) Um... Yeah, but he liked both pairs. Great. I think he'll he'll wear them. Um, Yeah, I would say I definitely would like to go back to Rhinebeck at some point. Yeah. Knowing what I know now, probably not next year. Probably not next year. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's funny. Like, I felt like I was like, I didn't go crazy, but... I also bought two more sweater quantities of yarn. <laughs> and like before we even left, I was writing down all my sweater quantities and it mm-hmm. was like 20, around 20. Yeah, I think, yeah, something like that. It's documented earlier on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I really didn't need to. And then I was like scrolling through Instagram this morning and um, someone was posting about their post Rhinebeck thoughts and how it's making her want to be less consumerist and mm-hmm. like, um, and then she also felt that there was like a lot of tokenism as far as like vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was like, uh, mm. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we will have, uh, I, I'm proclaiming that we are coming back as a podcast. <laughs> Jenny and I are thinking about how we can like sustainably come back to you um, in less than two years. Uh, <laughs> but I do think this is a topic, uh, kind of a bigger topic for com- of conversation, because it's definitely been something that the idea of representation and... Uh, in the the fiber world, also the sewing world, which we definitely follow. I don't know if I'm like part of the sewing Instagram as much as I um, as I follow it. Well, I think there's a lot of there's a lot more people sewing now than there were that oh, also knit uh, that started yeah. out as knitters. So I think that there are a lot of people kind of in our same category of mm-hmm. crafter. Maker of clothes. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a lot to say there, but... There is a lot to say, but it's, like, hard to frame it. Um, yeah. I think there was, a, there was a lot underlying the event, um, and I think we felt it, and... We know that it, it some of it played out. I know with Denise Bayron and what happened with Indian Tangled. Mm-hmm. Um, and without getting into that, you can definitely look. We won't get into it, but you can definitely look into it on Instagram um, and other venues. And um, it does. It, it this is an event. It was our first time. It's an event that has probably traditionally been majority white women of a certain social class mm-hmm. and I think it's definitely shifting mm-hmm. there were, there were different there weren't people who were specifically in that mold and maybe that's been happening for a long time um it did feel like there were more breaking the mold type people at this event than I've seen at the stitches that we've attended mm-hmm. um which is interesting 
just to think about. And maybe if we went back to stitches, it would look different to us, not having been there for three or four years. Yeah. I'm sure it would. Yeah. Different uh, times. Deep thoughts. <laughs> um, I do want to say, when you mentioned the crossover of sewing and knitting, Jenny was wearing a t-shirt she made in the Lady McElroy uh, fabric and... Uh, the Cobra corsage. And someone came up to her and was like, shirt twins! And I realized as that person said that and walked away, it was Laura Nelkin. I was like, it's Laura Nelkin! And she just waved at us. I was like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be hard. People like scream your name at you. Yep, that's me. So, a couple people did recognize us. Thank you for coming up and saying hello because we were obviously, as uh, as I predicted while we were there, pathologically too shy to approach <laughs> many people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was almost pathologically too shy to like approach Mars. Yeah, and then but you like, just had to do it. And I was like, she's she's standing right in front of me. Like, what if I never see her? And we didn't. We never saw we her. We never saw her, her again. again. Yeah. Yeah. That's how massive it was. So. Insanity. Um, okay. Well, that was. Thanks our, for listening. Yep. We yeah. have no real plan on like a recording schedule or um, kind of the future of content but but we will at some point we will you will hear from (laughs) us again um and you know for those of you who have messaged us over the year as years thank you thank you for your kind words and your encouragement and those of you who follow us on instagram i have taken over the handle of stash and burn on instagram i'm jenny check and so you can follow us there, and um, we're uh, a lot of a lot of sewing content. I have a lot of kid content right now, um, yeah. and and some knitting content. Often in stories, I'll like use stories to be like, "Here am I sticking a sock heel." You know, mm-hmm. you're gonna see that again soon. I got to do it in this one. I'm just gonna cut into it. Nice. Um. Anyway, thanks for listening, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nineteen Glittering crowds And shimmering clouds In canyons of steel They're making me feel I'm home It's autumn in New York That brings the promise of new love Autumn in New York is often mingled with pain. Dreamers with empty hands may sigh for exotic lands. It's autumn in New York It's good to live it again
hearts of in New York The gleaming rooftops at sundown It's good to live in 